on this episode of Hit the Deck. What does it take to run four leagues at the same time? No idea. Fortunately, we got this guy. So how many leagues are you involved with? BCHL is the league that I own. The MDHL, the RHL. We have four nights of football as well. And whoever said a bad word about the Pittsburgh Penguins? Well, we have many times. But we conditionally take some of it back. The Penguins have very passionately promoted the great sport of hockey in all aspects. And the program is so popular, the Learn to Play Deck Hockey program. And yes, what's included in the package for your youngsters are a hockey helmet, a stick, gloves, and shin guards, as well as a Learn to Play t-shirt. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 142 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers, (laughs) and we are once again here at your doorstep, your your proverbial doorstep, your your audio door, your ear step. We are once again humbly beseeching at your ear step to have you listen to us and have you hear our words and have you intake the sounds that are coming out of our mouths through your device of choice. And of course, uh, the we in question is who we are about to tell you about and get ready because we ain't just we this week. (laughs) So you'll understand what I mean momentarily when I jump right into tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And, of course, my patriotic co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sejazi. And we are honored to have a very special guest with us this week. Backup goalie, I guess, slash commissioner of DCHL Leagues. My name is Suds. Howdy do, Suds. It's great to have you on the podcast, and we can't wait to talk to you. We will do that momentarily. But first... There is actually some other stuff that we want to cover here at the beginning of the podcast. First and foremost, above all else, I always would like to inquire, how are you, James? Okay, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, thank you. I am happy that we get to do another one of these already. And uh, I am happy also that when you hear this, listener, I will actually be in Florida on vacation. So as you are listening to this now, unless you're listening to it several weeks after the fact, but if you listen to it within a week or or a little more of release, I am currently at Disney World. So, you know, I'll say hi to Mickey for you. (laughs) Yeah, please do and have a safe and great trip. Oh gosh, who are all those people? (laughs) What's ball hockey? (laughs) Oh, oh, hey, this is copyright infringement. Oh boy. Hey, hey, listen, Mickey, with your ties with the Mighty Ducks, you better know what ball hockey is, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. that Disney sold that team years ago. I don't know. Maybe maybe that was why, because they didn't know what it was. It makes sense to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so James, I know how I spent a couple of the days of this past week. How have you spent the intervening week? Yeah, well... The three-year anniversary of my life being uh, sent down south, and not the good south, like South America, for example, or uh, or southern the United States, I should say. But I've never uh, been. Yeah. Well, 
you know what? You're going to Florida, so uh, I went a little bit too far south. But uh, anyway, the south I'm talking about is where the red guy in Pitchforks lives. But without being put aside, other people that we know are having some good times and, and wish the best of luck, too. So as you are down in Florida, a very good friend of the podcast, Lou, is in the process of moving. So to respect his privacy, we will not give the address of where he and his family are moving to. But Do we, we have that information? Not exactly, but uh, but Lou was kind enough to fill us in on where he will be. So I just kind of want to respectfully leave his uh, private life at that. But um, we can say that he's moving from North Carolina to South Carolina. I see. And uh, hopefully he won't be too far from the Charlotte Street Hockey League back at his recent Carolina stomping grounds, or else they just may have to relocate too. But in all seriousness, all the best to you and your family, Lou. And, uh, you know, please keep in contact. We want to hear all about it. And, you know, hopefully that the uh, CSHL doesn't lose its Lou. <laughs> yeah, that is true. All those things are correct. But, James, what I was referring to when I said that I knew how I spent several days of the week, if you were listening recently to the podcast the last few weeks, then you know. Or if you were following our social media, then you know that we were following the World Ball Hockey Championships in Koshitse very, very closely. And they have drawn to a close whether you think that is fortunate or unfortunate, I, for one, will be happy at not having to get up very, very early to post a link to uh, a stream a, a, a ball hockey game in Slovak. But, uh, you know, it was it was a fun tournament. We caught you up on most of it last week. And when the podcast aired, the American teams were in the midst of the playoffs or in the case of the men's team play-ish because they had been knocked out of medal contention and they were playing Italy for the fifth place, a game which they lost. They had gone out to a big lead and then collapsed as they do and, and they lost. So they will finish eighth or have finished eighth since the tournament has concluded. Much better news on the women's side, however, because as you know, if you've been following our social media, the game that the Canadians played the Slovakian team that was the uh, deciding vote on whether the American women would play for the gold or for the bronze. Canada won, which meant that they played Canada in the gold medal game. The American women played Canada in the gold medal game. It was a pretty close game. It was pretty hotly contested throughout. Unfortunately, our ladies did fall, and uh, that was that was a little hard to take, but... You know, that's hockey. And there were good sports about it. And they went home with the silver medal, their second consecutive silver medal. So nowhere to go from here, but up. So, you know, Canada got beaten by the American ladies in the playoffs of the last tournament in 2017. And they beat us in the playoffs for the championship here in 2019. So uh, as I tweeted to the Canadian Ball Hockey Association, you know, ladies, we'll see you in two years for the rubber game. So uh, we have that to look forward to. But in the meantime, I'd just like to congratulate all of the American women for a very well-played tournament. Becky and Cherie and all the ladies we didn't get to interview who played their hearts out and were really excellent, excellent representatives of this country. And, uh, you know, I couldn't be prouder 
of all of them. So, you know, thank you for all of your efforts. Good luck with your hockey and other exploits throughout the next couple of years. And and we'll see you in 2021. So that was the women. That was how I spent my weekend or at least my Friday, Saturday. And that was great, I guess. But that being said, we uh, we are here now and we have another great guest, as you heard during the starting lineup. And, you know, we are anxious to get to him. So, James, is there anything else that you'd care to discuss before we jump into that interview? Yes, thank you. One last thing to plug, and we'll sure. have this at the end of the podcast as well, is that uh, going back to North Carolina, the 2019 RSHL Summer Shootout is Saturday, July 27th. So check that out. And again, we'll have links to all that fun stuff um, for you to see for yourselves. You bet. And in the meantime... One thing that you can see for yourself is the DCHL, which is the league that Suds runs. And if you want to hear all about that, you will do so right on the other side of this one last thing that we have to do. And I think if you've listened to the show before, you know what that thing is. So without further ado, James, could I convince you to tell us what is on deck for this podcast? Very easily, actually. Yes. Thank you kindly. You're welcome. At Trick Commish. Again, thanks to Mr. Craig Gusman, we have another great guest on our Humble Deck Hockey Podcast. Commish Suds, the man who runs the DCHL, the MDHL, and RHL, is here to talk about all he does for the ball hockey world. And back to the future. The Pittsburgh Penguins have been doing such an incredible job promoting the beautiful sport of hockey to youth throughout their city that they had to expand the program to include deck. For the second year in a row, the Learn to Play Deck Hockey program is back throughout the entire summer. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about with Suds. I think this is going to be quite a conversation. He is quite the conversationalist. And I think there's a lot that you're going to hear about and a lot you're going to be very interested to hear about. And frankly, I think you're going to be a little bit surprised about some of the stuff that we plan on talking to Suds about. So if you're ready, James, I'm ready. I think Suds is ready. Shall we jump into this thing? Yes, sir. All right. Well, then let's do it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Commissioner Suds. And as you said off air, we prefer Suds. But if we slip in a commissioner too, please no, don't be no offended. You can come in and you're like, as long as it's nice. So, so I'm okay with that. Absolutely. All right, man. So how are you? I'm doing great. You guys are in New York, right? Yeah. New York. New York. So I'm in Maryland. So nice dinner day. Nice, nice, cool day. So I'm doing great. So if I, James, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we were introduced to Suds by Mr. Craig Gusman. Is that right? Yes, yes. sir. Craig played in our league. Uh, Craig Guzman played in our league uh, for about three or, four, three or four years. He was a goalie slash defenseman. He played goalie if we had to. He played D. And I know that he got a job and he moved. If I recall correctly, so I'm not sure exactly Craig is right now, but that's yes, Craig is the one who got us involved. Yes. Now he did tell us that he was not going to mention flag football. That you run a flag football league that he was emphatically not going to talk about. Suds does run a couple different leagues down there, and he does flag football, which we won't talk about because nobody <laughs> nobody cares about football. 
Is there some kind of bad blood there, or, or what's going on? You did say that? I didn't, I didn't realize that. Okay, no, um, I played that league about seven years ago, became the uh, official supervisor, uh, officiating, et cetera, et cetera, hiring officials. And just recently, last year, I took over as commissioner. So it's a league that same time as I got involved with, with DCHL, I got involved with them. DCHL is the league that I own. This is the league that somebody else has, but now I'm involved in, in the ownership part as well, too. All right. So how many leagues are you involved with total? <laughs> Well, I guess we can call by divisions. Uh, we have, uh, let's start with the, the mothership, the DCHL. That is a Sunday league, a huge league. We've got uh, 33 teams, over 440 players that play religiously. And I mean religiously, you know, basically 52 weeks a year from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Usually 14 games, a 12-hour slot. It's co-ed. It's five-on-five five plus a goalie. And it, we play in a, uh, a Rockville Sportsplex, Michael Sportsplex. It's like an NHL rink. So we do have, you know, icing. We do have hybrid icing. We do have offsides. It's like the NHL game, except obviously no contact, no checking. That's a DCHL league. That's the first one. And if I continue here, the other one that we have, uh, you know, that started about 10 years, uh, actually about nine years ago. And then uh, people, hey, you know, I want to play more. We want to play more. So they asked for a weeknight league for people that are local. The DCHL league brings in players from Virginia and Maryland and D.C. The MDHL originally was supposed to be a local league for people, you know, we do want to travel the Beltway on a weeknight, but even then, we've got players coming from Virginia all the time as well, too, in D.C. as well. That's on a Wednesday night. It's called MDHL. That currently has, I believe, it's 17 teams. It's a lot of buys. We play from 7 p.m., 11 p.m., four divisions now. We get in five games a night, so 17 to the buys, so it creates kind of a hectic schedule. And then about three years ago, something you guys love, people come to me and say, let's start a roller league. I want an inline league. And I'm like, I'm not a roller guy. But we just started a roller league about three years ago. It was a ball league at first, and then it changed to a puck league about two years ago. That's taken off. It's called the RHL, and that put a Monday night at the Rockwell Sports Plex from 8 to 11. We currently have 10 teams and two divisions there as well, too. So that's the hockey side of it. Football side is a little different. I won't go too much to football, but we have four nights of football as well. So a lot of overlap there. So I'm pretty much, you know, either officiating or on-site six, seven days a week, usually six days a week, pretty much 52 weeks a year because we don't take, you know, it's Hockey's indoors, so we don't take too many days off. Wow, that is dedication. That's that's a lot of hockey. Yes. Uh, so let me ask you, how? I mean, I'm I'm sure we will touch on all of these leagues as the conversation goes on a little more. But let's start. Let's go back to basics. How did you start to become a hockey fan? What are what are your hockey roots? That's a good question. Now, now I was not born here. I was born in a country called it's called Myanmar. Now it was called Rangoon back in the day. Burma, and uh, my parents were Indian, and I, I was born there, and we you know, immigrated over here in 1980. I was 10 years old at that time. I went to a British school down there, so you know, I was already set up from that standpoint. So when we came down here in 1980, you know, I became a football fan first. Then you know, I discovered this thing game called hockey. You know, <laughs> the first game I ever saw, at you, and back then, I didn't have cable. You know, and you couldn't really get, get, to, get to hockey at that point in 1980. I think I saw highlights of a game on a nightly news recap. And that game was a Stanley Cup final game between, I believe, it was the Islanders and the Oilers, the, the, the one that cut the Islanders lost after they won four in a row. So, as usually, the, the way I, I do when I pick my teams is when I see a sport, a new sport, I pick one of the two teams involved. I pick the Islanders. And I could have been an overspend. Thank God I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's a pretty, pretty hairy thought. But uh, ever since then, I was an Islander fan. Back in the you know, Mike Bossy days, the Brian Trache days, the Billy, Billy Smith was still playing, Billy Smith, Al Arbor days. Sure. Days. So it was a, that's how I became an Islander fan. I mean, of course, I followed the team along, you know, 
I joined the, 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 the bandwagon Islander fan when we started losing. So I haven't experienced <laughs> win yet with the Islanders. So, but it's not about winning. It's about, you know, it's about team loyalty and, and appreciating the team as well, too. And it's been fun. It's been, uh, hockey, by far, is my most favorite sport because, again, it's a sport that um, it's community-based. You know, the players are likable. You know, to me, they're mostly role models. They're normal human beings, as I see it out there, and people can relate to. And whether I play in our league or other players or wherever I go to, Hockey is more of a tightly more community-based sport, which I which I appreciate. So, there you go. Oh, awesome. So, uh, I mean, obviously that's how you started watching and becoming a fan. When did you decide to become involved and start playing hockey? That's a good question. I, I didn't really play much hockey at all. I mean, I don't skate a little bit and didn't, didn't play ice at all. But I moved to Ohio after I graduated, came back and back in 2006, I believe. I moved back here. 2006 and on my to-do list when I moved back here to Maryland you know where I, where I grew up and I went to college here as well too in University of Maryland let's get involved with sports let's get involved you know let's just start the sports space again I'm a, I'm a big sports guy let's play flat football I did that and I became now I'm part of Razzle the league we talked about earlier let's play let's play hockey not a great skill let's just play maybe deck hockey or floor hockey so I found a league in Virginia that I joined my first time playing hockey and it was a free agent team called the um the orangutans um <laughs> and I was super enough to say, you know what? The guy, the commissioner said, do you want to play this team? Do you want to be a goalie? I'm like, sure, I'll play goalie. I have the pads on. <laughs> so uh, my first ever game, I was a goalie, and uh, I became a goalie from that time point on. And I realized how much people don't like playing goalie. I did. I enjoyed it. So uh, the team was pretty good. We're afraid the team were pretty good. We came close to winning a championship a couple of times. It just did not work out that way. And that's when I realized, you know what? It got a little frustrating for me because, you know, the league wasn't – I mean, I love the league, but – it wasn't what I was looking for. I think it could have been a better product. There were a lot of people who, who were not happy with the product. So I got involved with officiating. I said, let me help officiate. Started officiating. Then about two years later, I, mean, I said, you know what? Why? There's no leagues available in where I live. I, the league was in Virginia where I went to. At that time, there, were very, there was nothing available in D.C. or Maryland. And I said, well, why don't we start one here? You know, let's just make it a hobby. Start one. And I got on meetup.com and started meetup.com, talked to my friends. And you wouldn't believe it. But we started a league called DCHL. On a Sunday night, playing in D.C. at 10.30 and 11.30 at nighttime. Oh, we got know. enough play on a Sunday night. Yeah. I mean, and we got 40 players. You know, we, we worked hard. and We only had two goalies. We survived season number one. And then people loved it. People were still dedicated about hockey in general, as you probably know. Then we got five teams, and then we just expanded more on. And as we grew and grew and grew, you know, we looked for a location where we want to play hockey in a real hockey venue. And the problem, you know, in I'm not sure if the issue in, in, in New York, but here in Maryland, we don't have very many alternatives for rinks. Hmm. They're either outdoor rinks or concrete, but there are very few indoor facilities that will cater to you or offer you to play hockey. And if you go to you know local gymnasiums or community centers or schools, they won't say they'll say no. So we finally found a place called the Rockwell Sportsplex that was able to meet our needs for a larger venue. When we did that, the league just took off. You know, we play indoors. It's not AHL dimensions, but it's close enough. You have the three-zone field. You know, you have the benches. It's almost like playing actual NHL hockey, and that's really really took off for us in that case. So when you started the league, were the Capitals, like, really hot in D.C. at that point? Had they started their, their rise to the success that they've kind of uh, enjoyed as perennial contenders in the league with Ovechkin, or was that pre-all of that? 
No, um, when I came back to Maryland, I think it was 2008, they had a veteran who was here. At that time, I believe it was, it was that, that year, the following year is when they had the big collapse against Montreal, if I recall correctly. So Caps are already a good team at that point. DC, and that's, you know, I'm not a Caps fan, but Ovechkin is a reason why hockey is so popular in DC. And he's in a wonders for this community in that regard. So yes, hockey was already pretty, already entrenched in our area. Now, it may not have been entrenched as it is now if the Caps won a Stanley Cup, but it was still a pretty big sport here already. Any spillover from the Flyer territory or Jersey territory, too, or is it strictly Capitals? You mean to the fan base here? Yeah. You know, D.C. Is a, hot, is a melting pot. We have fan base all over the place. So there's a very strong Ranger base here, uh, Ranger fan base here. I don't, I don't see Flyers as much, but they are here. The Capitals, I, mean, I think the Penguins probably be the number two team in this area. Wow, okay. Team out there, so that's my guesstimation on that regard. So looking, looking at the, uh, the conversation we have all, all over the place on social media. But uh, it's it's really a lot, a lot of a melting pot of, of hockey players here. But the Caps obviously number one. So yeah, so you, you touched on... Um... Your three leagues, which I can't wrap my head around. And now you have flag football on top of that, too. But how are the DCHL leagues unique as compared to other leagues? That's a good question. I mean, let's first off with the league itself. The league itself are different. DCHL is, is the mothership on Sundays. We have you know, a little different. We have three periods as opposed to two halves on MDHL. MDHL used to be a one woman on the floor rule. Now we're back to two women, so they're both equal there. And the, the players carry over. I would say about 50% of the MDHL base plays in DCHL. So that's that's good for there. The roller league, when we first started was on Monday nights, was really a lot of the ball hockey players playing roller. But that's changed now. It's more of pure inline players. We've got wow. so maybe four or five crossover players. But uh, that that's good there were as well, too. So we've got unique brands within those three leagues. But it, we also are a unique league overall. You know, and when I first saw this league, my number one thing was I look at I play the leagues and there's no competitive balance. You know, you have teams always trying to stack and a team that always didn't kill and, and it's no fun. There's no retention at all. So I wanted to create a league where Number one, you have competitive balance and make it fun. Whether you, when you come to play on a, on a given day, you should be have a chance to have a win, win or lose. It should never be guaranteed given what's going to happen to you. But also play with friends, social, you know, find a competitive balance and, and balance it out with, uh, with, with social groups and friendships. That was the number one marketing tool. And we're not like other leagues because we, we have these guidelines we want to stick to. Safety first, competitive balance second is very, 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 very important to us. And making sure it's fun. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be fun. We want to make sure that if you're playing in our league, you get that, you're not a pro, but you get that pro experience. You know, we have game stats. We keep detailed stats. We stream games. We have, Every game gets a, a recap on our Facebook page. It goes to Twitter with hashtags, fun hashtags to go along with that. We do a lot of fun different things like that regards. And we also have different rules. You know, we have rules to, if you have competitive balance, for example, I'm not sure if you guys understand how this works, but in our league, if you, you cannot ice the puck in the third period, if you have a two-goal lead or more. If you ice the puck or ice the ball in our league, two-goal lead or more, you get penalized because you want players to play the game. And that penalty helps competitive balance. You just can't chip the ball out over and over again. You learn how to play the correct way. You're not just cheating all the time and icing it out there. So we put in unique rules to make sure the competitive balance in place. We have salary caps, if you believe that. Every player that, play, that plays in our league gets rated from 1 through 10. And we have salary caps for each division. We have five divisions on Sundays. And we have we do cap. We have capology. We just started doing cap floors. We want to make sure the team at the bottom has, has enough talent so we're not adding cap floors on top of that as well, too. So we do things like that. And we have unique pre-approved lists. You just can't come in our league and play and just jump on a team. If a team needs players in order for the, for the games to function, we do roll calls. And then we make sure that we get the correct sub. We have this pre-approved sub list. 
captain's going to negotiate that out as well too. So it's a very fine run machine where it helps because that helps with comparative balance. Everybody does their part. Captains do roll calls. They ask for help. We give them pre-approval lists. We help them, help them get subs and makes it fun with the Sunday experience a fun thing. There's no drama. You go out there, you play. You have to worry about getting subbed or someone to show up out there. So those are unique things that we do along with stats and streaming to make this league a very fun league. Okay, so that's very cool. I have not heard about that particular kind of balancing being done in other leagues before. That's really innovative and, and awesome, frankly. But I have to ask, who compiles the ratings for the players? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's for the first eight or nine years, it was myself. Okay. I, you know, I see all the games on there all the time, so... It, it because who's the most qualified, you know, and if I see all the players, I know the players, I'm the most qualified. But over the last couple of years, we now have a ratings committee that we does. It's like an NCAA selection committee. We have six people, referees, senior players who see a lot of the games and we have, we have all the divisions covered. And in fact, we're doing that right now. We'll do it today. Tomorrow, we're doing ratings update every once every four months. They get a sheet of all the players that we have, their ratings, and the ratings can be changed. We do, go, we do a ratings committee upgrade and then we do... Like the NCAA selection committee, we do have the close cases. We have a meeting, discuss the close cases, figure out where they belong. You know, it's a very tedious process. It's a lot of work behind it. I think people, players appreciate it, but I think we need that. And every, it gets more and more complicated as you go along. But yeah, we do have a radius committee now of six people, including myself, in charge of the committee to make it work. Do you ever have like a, a draft or do you just rely on the salary cap and and those kind of artificial limits that you put on the teams to make that balance? It's a good question. When we first started, it was a social league that we tried to balance it out. So there was no draft concept. I've tried to put a draft concept into our league the last four or five years, but it's not going to work because we ha- it's, it's a pretty clicky group, group of players we have out there. So drafts, we don't have drafts in our league format. We have drafts in our tournaments. We have about 15 to 16 tournaments a year. On holidays, like you know, Christmas weekend or Easter weekend or July 4th weekend, we don't schedule games that weekend. We have what we call local tournaments. And those tournaments, we use draft. What happens is everybody like, signs up for the tournament, and then I or somebody else, we sit down and draft teams. And we always create equal fun teams. Those tournaments are very popular because people get to play with friends at the same time. They play with new players, a team that's usually very competitive across the board. So the draft concept is there but only for tournaments. We can't get the draft concept to be really an in thing for us in our league because the click that we have out there. However, the MDHL is going to try a draft league this coming up season for the higher division. So we are going to try to slowly bring that concept in the league, hopefully with exception from players as well too. But basically all those innovations are for the DCHL, which as you said, is like the mother league, correct? No, it's for the most part. It's, it's, oh, okay. It's and MDHL both. MDHL oh, both. great. Yeah, RHL is still a young league, three years, two, three years old. So we're not to a point yet we can, we can assign ratings. We're not to a point yet we can have caps. We're just building our base and doing it artificially by just looking at the players. So far it's worked, but I'll get to a point too. Once we have too many, so many players, we'll have to go to a cap system there as well too. But right now it's just the DCHL and the NDHL with the drafts, tournaments, and the caps in general. Okay, very cool. You said that you stream these games. Do you stream all of them? How do you, if not, how do you pick which games you stream? And do you run the streams across all your leagues? It's a good question. Um, we do stream games. And you've asked, I think it also was a question on in our, in my list of questions you guys sent me as well, too. I'm involved with everything. The one thing that I've kind of become hands off on is the streaming process. Because we have a, a good job. My name is Joe Shea, who is now a social media director. He posts recaps of DCHL and MDHL games. 
He also works with volunteer streamers to get games streamed. And really, you know, the way we do it is we like to stream all the playoff games. That those those are non-negotiable for us. We can do it. Regular season games, it's based on the matchups and whatever you know, was available at that time. Normally, you know, on a given Sunday, 14 games, we may stream three or four games, average-wise. And then that's, it goes on Facebook Live. We used to actually tape the games. I work with local uh, public access to television here in, in, in Montgomery County. So I have access to equipment. You know, I, I took classes there, I directed producer. So I would, I would get the equipment out and tape it and show it. But then people like the live experience better. So we gave up quality for the live experience. And we use Facebook Live, you know, or on our plate. So we stream that way. And then we just carry those games over to our YouTube library, which has got probably over 1,300 videos already in that, in that YouTube library in general. And the games are chosen by the streamers. But again, the playoff games usually are non-negotiable. We find somebody stream them, and they're always going to be up there. Is it just the video of the games, or is there any kind of play-by-play oh, component No, as well? no, we, we, we have play-by-plays. Awesome. <laughs> it's not. It's, 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 it, 99% it's play-by-play. And in fact, one of the guys that's played by play, his name is Jason Stitcher. He joined our league maybe four or five years ago in the Navy. And, you know, he, he wanted to get involved in broadcasting. And, you know, he started doing our games. He's pretty good at it. So we had a, a, a two radio personalities who were playing our league. Heard him. Told him to come, you know, come to the radio station and got him started into the uh, broadcast business. Wow. So uh, that's a career opportunity for him now. He works for now a local radio station. Earning his ranks, moving up the ladder, so to speak, out there. But um, that's how we got into play-by-play. It's just, you know, doing our games. So we probably have about eight to ten, you know, at least play-by-play announcers that we do. We have fun with. And they're pretty good. I mean, we do, you know, we have color commentators. We analyze plays. that We actually talk about the game, talk about the players, and, and that's the game as, as it goes along. So it's, it's pretty intense. Excellent. Yeah, and besides checking those out, uh, and, and please, plug away. But uh, one way that you could see some of these games, and what I've checked out too, is the website, yes. playdchl.com. Yes. But please, yeah, tell us about uh, how we could track you down on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter yeah. as well. If you want, you know, we have a YouTube library, which I have to update the, you know, have that the last three, three months or so. But YouTube library, it's DCHL Leagues. Go there. You find just Google DCHL Leagues. You'll see a logo there. You'll see a ton of video going all the way back to season number one. You know, on an old, you know, uh, <laughs> on an old phone we have out there. So we use that. Um, also, if you go to our website, we we link some of the better games to our website homepage. So you can watch some of the games there, but it's only three or four available there. But the entire library is available on YouTube. And, and, and always, if you want to watch any live games, go to our DCHL League's Facebook page, DCHL League's, it's pure and simple. And on a Sunday, Monday, or Wednesday, you might see a live game up there because we're probably streaming. FYI. So um, that's how you can find our games. That's awesome. Hey, so Suds, how many seasons do you do per year? That's a good question. That's a great question. It's getting harder and harder because, you know, a lot of our, you know, I realize some of our players play on travel team. Our D1 division on Sundays is predominantly travel team players that play in regional tournaments across the country. And I believe we have one, two, I think three or four players that play in our league that play on Team USA. And I'm not sure if you saw a couple of players that play in different other leagues as well, too. Taylor Stedman and Lindsey Bittler, Team USA played early today in the uh, tournament and they beat Slovakia, if if I recall correctly. So uh, we are those players, those, those two ladies play in our league. So we have, you know, we have a, a wide variety of players you know, that, that goes across the board out there. So from that standpoint, you know, it, it, it depends upon you know what, what you have in that regards of, of players in general. But we have travel teams and I'm sorry, I lost, what was the question you asked me? I lost track of the question you asked <laughs> That's me. all right. I, I got a tangent out there. No, no worries. I asked how many seasons you're able to run oh, per yes, year. Yes. Yeah. Because there are travel leagues out there, travel tournaments, we take those travel tournament Sundays off. It's getting harder and harder to maintain a three season a year balance. We try to get three seasons a year in a year. We have 33 teams on Sundays. So it takes about 15, 16 weeks to complete a season with all the buys and all the travel tournaments that they have to kind of ignore. So we try to get 
three seasons in a year, and we take the holidays off as well, too. And there's really, there really is no off weeks unless it's a buy for a travel tournament for a holiday. So I would say three seasons in a year, 10 games plus playoffs, no more guarantee in Ali. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Also, which we kind of touched on before, how big a region do your leagues reach? So you mentioned D.C., Maryland, and Virginia? Yeah, we're, we're a DMV-based league. I mean, we're really based out of Rockville, Maryland, but it's, it's close enough to pick, pick up a lot of players in Virginia. Some people drive an, an hour, an hour and a half plus to, to get to our leagues from D.C. or Virginia or from either Oxford or Maryland as well, too, for like Baltimore area as well, too. So DMVs are predominantly based. We're not that close to the Philly border, to the Pennsylvania border, to make any players from that region out there or West Virginia. DMVs are, is our range. All right. That's, yeah, that, that's pretty amazing, especially when you're saying that you have over 440 players in one league, which is amazing how you keep track of all that and do such a great job with ratings and stuff. And you really have a passion for it and you care. And uh, as you were saying, the players really appreciate that. So it makes sense that you'd have to expand to three leagues. So hopefully you have the same success with the flag football as well. When uh, yeah. So that, that you're going into your first season flag football as second, the commissioner? Second season commissioner. Second? Okay. Uh, that, that's, that, that's, a, that's a brand that's going to have to be rebuilt. We'll be rebuilding the culture there and the base there. But uh, as you mentioned earlier uh, with uh, Hockey League, it continues to grow. We, we, you know, we don't spend a penny on advertising at all. It's all word of mouth. And we have tremendous retention. You know, we have 33 teams. Normally, 32 comes back every season. So it's hard to, for new players to get in. The question is expansion for us or adding players. The question is, we need to get more, more nights available to us to rent. We can't do that. And there are no other facilities. So we're trying very hard right now. Our number one goal right now is to find other venues and or alternate venues to maybe offer different products beyond that because we're, we're max saturated as it is. We are on those nights that we, we do run out there. Do you have a waiting list that you maintain right now? We do, we do. We try to get everybody in the waiting list. You know, what I try to do is, you know, tell the teams, hey, make sure you save a couple of spots in your roster. You know, players always want to come in, and if you make them wait three or four months, you're going to lose them. Sure. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So we try to get everybody in at the same time. The waiting list doesn't usually go more than four to ten players long, ten players most. We try to get them involved as soon as possible, find a team, make them happy, because the longer they wait, you're going to lose them. It's just the way it is. They're going to lose their interest. So everything right now is run at the Sportsplex? Yes. Wow. It's the only venue we have is Sportsplex. We are their biggest revenue provider. You know, so, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you know, it's expensive to run an indoor league. Hmm. The, the cost for an indoor league is tremendous. That's why we're a nonprofit. And it's every year it's hairy to make that budget, to make that budget work, you know, between rental, officials, and costs in general. And that's to raise fees for the players because, you know, you have to watch that as well, too. So uh, we need to find a facility that is cheaper, that we can own a facility of our own indoors. That would, that would, and that if we do that, if the game can really grow here because people love hockey here. Hockey's a hot bet sport now. And there's room for expansion as well, too. Wow. That's that's all really cool. And I <laughs> I think we need to talk to Sud some more. I need to know more. I need to know more. Do you want to know more? I need to know more about the DCHL and the MDHL and all of the HLs in <laughs> Suds's stable. But I don't think we have time for that right now. Frankly, I, I think I am awash in suds, so uh. I, I, need, I need a break. <laughs> I, I need help is what I need. <laughs> but suds, if you are not too opposed to the idea and not too offended by the suggestion, we would like to bring you back in a couple weeks and talk to you some more about what it is exactly that you're doing down there. The good work, the great work that you are doing down there. So I think we will book you for that. Thank you. I certainly hope so, because that was an excellent interview. Can't wait for part two to sum it all up. But uh, really fascinating, wonderful man, typical ball hockey guy. And I mean that in the highest, highest compliment. But uh, 
it's it's incredible how many good people we have met throughout this humble podcast and and thanks to listeners such as Craig to introduce us to all of these great people but that's really astounding how uh suds i don't know how he has the time to do anything running so many leagues and and expanding now to uh flag football as well so refing and running the media and all that stuff really quite incredible uh, great guy and anybody out there looking to run your own deck hockey league or something of that nature i think over the last few weeks with the incredible guests that we had you can probably do so yourself because they have laid the groundwork out for you between wayne and daniel and now suds pretty 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 incredible Absolutely. And speaking of incredible deck hockey work that's being done, they are doing some great work on their own, but they are not the only ones because the pros, the, you know, ice hockey pros are horning in on our deck hockey action. And you know what? I don't mind because it's growing the sport and it's doing a great job of spreading the gospel of hockey absolutely pittsburgh has been in the thick of it as the penguins have very passionately promoted the great sport of hockey in all aspects so ice hockey roller hockey and now deck hockey and as we've said so many times and commission studs has said as well is that you get the beauty of deck hockey without the intimidation of skating and the beautiful sport of hockey for anybody to play and the penguins have learned that and the program is so popular that they introduced in 2018, they had to bring it back this summer of 2019, the Learn to Play Deck Hockey program. So it opened up, registration at least opened up late May, about a month ago. And we'll have links to how you can go about signing up. Act quickly because at least three spots, have four, have all been uh, full. But all throughout the Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania area, there are 18 options for young fans out there to join and sign up for the Learn to Play Deck Hockey program. It's committed to the youth, and I believe the ages run from four to nine to try deck hockey. It's for beginners. They have guaranteed six Learn to Play sessions, and I also think that the equipment is supplied for you, and there's only just a little sign-up fee of $65, and it doesn't matter where you go. Again, there are 18 different spots and uh, different times of the year where you could sign up or different times of the summer, I should say, beginning in July and going through mid-September. So there's no excuse to miss any of this. It's uh, a bargain and you're with professionals and the Pittsburgh Penguins have really done it right. And again, uh, if you need something to do over the summer in the Pennsylvania area, (laughs) this is it. Yeah, and if you are looking to do that, Really strangely, it looks like these clinics are filling up in reverse alphabetical order because the sessions that are already full registrations seem to be at the end of the alphabet for whatever reason. So I think if you do want to jump on that, your best bet to try first is like Brookline Memorial Park or Butler Township Deck or Collier Park or... uh Something at the beginning of the alphabet, you know, I mean, I think that that's your best bet if you just want to guarantee a sure thing. I don't know where you're located, but if you can get to the, the B's and the C's, you know, the, the S's and the T's and the, those areas are mostly and the R's, those are mostly sold out already. So that that's 
That's my advice. My completely uninformed advice. It's very good advice, actually. And uh, if you have any questions, you can email A-R-O-E-S-S-L-E-R at PittsburghPenguins.com for questions and concerns. And yes, what's included in the package for your youngsters are a hockey helmet, a stick, gloves, and shin guards, as well as a learn-to-play t-shirt. All right. Well, that is worthwhile, I think. I I can't think of a better way to spend my summer. Well, I'm going to Disney World, so I guess I can think of one way, but I'm only going for a little while. So outside of going to Disney World, I can't think of a better way to spend my summer. And I think finally, we have just just a quick hit, a quick uh, brief summer edition of everybody's favorite segment, This Week in Gritty. This Week in Gritty. And you know what? I think longtime listeners of this podcast will understand that This Week in Gritty is usually about some kind of crazy mayhem or mischief that Gritty has perpetrated. However, in this bizarro version of This Week in Gritty, it's actually quite the opposite. And if you know me, then you know that I believe in fair credit where credit is due. So we do rag on Gritty quite a bit on this podcast, so it's only fair to give him his proper respect for when he does good and does well. So since this is the bizarro edition of This Week in Gritty, I'm actually going to hand it off to you, James, since you found this story. And uh, I, I think I think you deserve to be able to to talk about something very good that Gritty has, has done. So I'm going to ask you to tell everybody what that was about. Well, thank you. Yeah, we posted the link on our uh, Twitter and Facebook pages, too. And We'll definitely share them once again, but he he apparently has a really big heart, and uh, he visited a young boy, very, very young. I don't even know how old the poor little guy is, but he had a, a prosthetic leg put on, and Gritty was right there next to him and uh, showed up at the hospital, and the kid was very excited to see the big orange guy. I was incredibly touched by it, and I think anybody who watched the video or heard about the story can say the same thing, especially if you're a parent in any way, shape, or form. It was really beautiful and and quite touching, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. It was really beautiful, so well done, Gritty, and uh, well done, NHL, and and God bless that young man and, and all young people and any body like him true heroes and what they go through it puts everything in perspective and wonderful attitudes and 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 the doctors and nurses that take care of these brave brave souls as well so all around great stuff and uh, especially for gritty who's had some run-ins with children and done things that gary and i didn't really like because we do appreciate and love children so much that uh, this was a nice nice thing to even things out and hopefully maybe this is what gritty will be for his future in his uh, NHL life. You think we're looking at a Ebenezer Scrooge situation post-Ghosts? Yeah, you know what? Um, who knows? The Flyers didn't have a very good season this year, so maybe he did get visited by a few ghosts and uh, is turning over a new leaf. That would be very are, nice. Are we looking at the spirit of gritty future here? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. And, and I hope so. And uh, I'm as the American Rhino says, you give credit where it's due. and. And I agree with him. I don't mind if I'm proven wrong when it's something so right. It's the NHL offseason. I didn't miss it. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, that was a good report. Thank you very much, James. Well, thank you for that honor, American Rhino. And that has been your abbreviated edition of This Week in Gritty. This Week 
And that's going to do it for this episode of Hit the Deck, episode 142. I think we've done it. We've just about completed everything we set out to do here. So that being the case, let's bring it all home. Last minute remaining in the podcast. So that is going to do it, as I just said. So that being the case, I would absolutely love, first and foremost, to thank Suds, Kamish Suds, for coming on the podcast and telling us all about the DCHL and the MDHL and the Roller Hockey League and, and all of the cool stuff and the Flag Football League that shall not be named and all the, all the awesome stuff that he's doing down there in the Maryland area. And so thank you, Suds. As I said before, we are going to extend you an invitation that we really are giving you no choice but to accept and come back here in a couple of weeks and tell us a little more about you and, and, and what you're doing down there. So look forward to that. And thank you, of course, to Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music. And thank you to you for listening to this podcast, because if it wasn't for you, there would be no us. And we are happy to have an us because we is us. And, you know, that's that. <laughs> and I know none of that made any sense, but here we are. And uh, that's what you get here on Hit the Deck every single week. So that being the case, uh, I would like to invite you and encourage you, if you have some feedback on what exactly you would like that stuff to be, please email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on our Facebook page, at Hit the Deck. You can tweet at us at Hit the Deck Pod. And, uh, you know, we're on Instagram and YouTube and, and there's lots of places you can find us. So please do that. Please find us. Please subscribe to the podcast so you get us each and every week. You don't have to go looking for us. We're right there. You know, it's Friday. You're, you don't have to, like, keep checking your watch and refreshing Twitter. You just subscribe. It's right there. You get it. You're just like, oh, here it is. Ding. Hit the deck. I can listen to it. Start my weekend off right. Bob's your uncle. So great. Do that. Subscribe on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or the Podbean app or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. Do that and uh, consider rating us in iTunes or whatever they're calling it now. Um, please do that. It would really help us out. So that being said, James, is there anything you'd care to add? Yes, thank you. Don't forget about the 2019 RSHL Summer Shootout is Saturday, July 27th, and there's plenty of time to sign up, but don't wait too long. Also, check out the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, of course, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, the RSHL, who has the Summer Shootout coming up, the VAR Hockey League, the DCSH, and DCHL. And don't forget to donate to LaGrange Hockey, and thank you for listening. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. Thanks to everybody. Thanks all around. You get a thank you. You get a thank you. Everybody gets a thank you here on Hit the Deck, because that's the kind of people that we are. And one last thing I will thank you to remember, dear listener, as always here on Hit the Deck, is that whether you are being thrown into the net because you don't know any better or working your way up from the mailroom to run the whole darn thing, whether you are putting on a clinic about putting on a clinic or turning over a new belly button, regardless of what you find yourself doing, I would urge you always to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. We got a pro on our hands. Sorry, can... sorry. If I, if I, no, I no. You. No, you're doing great. Yeah, you're doing fantastic. I just was reading the wrong question. We're just going to go with the flow and see where it leads us. I'll get the mistakes out of the way now.